0: Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm Pastor Holman, and welcome to our 10-minute table talk. I'm delighted to be with you today. Today, I want to talk about the subject of marriage and what does God say about the marriage covenant. We find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 that God made man in his own image and according to his own likeness. And then he said at the end of Genesis chapter number 1 that it is good. He said that his final creation on that sixth day was a very good creation, but he comes in Genesis chapter number two, verse 18, and then says of Adam that it is not good that man should be alone. God identified a problem with man that although the creation was good, him being alone was not. And then God remedied that plan by making him a helper comparable to him. Mind you that this is after that Adam named all of the beasts of the field. So he named the female lion, the male lion. He named the female elephant and the male elephant. And after naming all of the elephants, Adam looked at himself and found that there was no one that was comparable to him. God fixed the problem of man being alone and brought him Eve. He put Adam to sleep and formed out of his rib his wife and presented her to him. Adam woke from a deep sleep and said, this is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. She shall be called womb man because she came from the womb of man. And there it is. God created the first family in the book of Genesis chapter number two. It is interesting to note that God created family 4,000 years before he instituted the first church. Family is very important to God. But God has a standard by which he wants the family to be orchestrated. He has has a foundation by which he wants the family to be built upon. He says that man and woman are to complement one another in walking together for the glory of God. That is our idea of marriage. We find in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, he says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor with the Lord. There are blessings that are bestowed upon the man that he cannot enjoy unless he is committed to a marriage covenant that he that finds a wife, not a girlfriend, not a baby mama, not somebody that he lives with, but he that finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor with the Lord. Notice that it is the man searching for the wife and not the wife searching for the husband. He says that when he finds this wife, he finds the one that is suitable to him. And when he finds the one suitable for him, he gets blessings that otherwise he could not enjoy. In Proverbs chapter number 31, it says of the wife, that she is the crown, she is the diamond in her husband's crown. That she is the one that talks well of him at the city gates. That she is the one in which he can place full assurance and trust in, that's the wife. The wife has the ability to lift up her husband or to tear down her husband. The power of the marriage literally falls upon the tongue of the wife. God has a specific role by which men and women are to play in this very important union of husband and wife. Paul addresses this in the book of Ephesians, chapter number five, beginning at verse number 22. He tells of the wife that wife should submit unto their husband. I want you to notice here that when he says wife, he is talking about the one that God instituted all the way back in Genesis chapter number two. That wife that is supposed to be a compliment and a helpmeet to her husband. He tells of the wife that she should submit unto her husband. That word submit there is a very interesting word by which we mean to come up under. It carries the same idea of the word submarine, which means to immerse itself up under. That is the idea by which Paul is telling the wife to do. She is to submit to her own husband. Now, watch this phrase, because if you're not careful, you will miss it. These two words in verse number 22 that are oftentimes overlooked when Paul talks to the woman about submitting to the husband. But he says, here's how you submit to the husband as unto the Lord. That's a very difficult statement because he didn't say just like you submit to the Lord. He said, as unto the Lord. So the same way that you submit unto Christ is the same way that the wife submits unto her husband. It is a biblical model of what a marriage should look like. It's not a very popular model. I will give you that, especially in 2020, especially in the age of women's liberation, especially in the age that I do what I want to do before checking with anybody. I understand that it is countercultural of where we're living at right now. But the biblical premise about marriage is that a wife submits herself to her own husband. A wife should not have more allegiance to her male boss than she does to her husband. A wife submits to a husband as unto the Lord. Notice that Paul makes the wife's role in the marriage a very simplistic role. He gives her not a lot of duties that he is getting ready to cast upon the man in the further verses beginning at verse number 23. He tells of the woman one thing, because in this one thing, everything else is encapsulated. Submit unto your husband. Upon the submit, you will find love. Upon the submit, you will find respect. Upon the submit, you will find the influence of God operating in the life of those who consider the word of God to be valuable. So Paul tells the wife in verse number 22 to submit unto her own husband as unto the Lord. And then to the husband, he says, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church because he is the savior of the body. So Paul, before he begins to address the husband, he gives the hierarchy of God. He says, first of all, that the husband is the head of the wife. I've been on record as saying that there are too many women right now that are carrying loads that their shoulders were never designed to carry. There are many women that are in front of their husbands and by being in front of your husbands, you are catching the arrows from the enemy at a record pace you're placing yourself square in the, in, the, in, the, in the sights of the enemy as he attempts to try to dismantle the home. He tells the husband that you are the head of the house, you are head of the wife, and here's the example that he gives, just as Christ is head of the church. Now when a man understands his biblical role, he does not need to walk around his house and beat his chest saying that he's the man. When a man is walking properly in the role that God has designed for him, he does not need to scream it. His actions will say it for him. He tells unto the husband that you are the head of the house, or head of your wife, just as Christ is head of the church. Why? Because he, that being Christ, is the savior of the body. And then he sits in verse 24 and following what happens because of that assignment. He says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ. So let wives again, reiterating what he said in verse number 22, be subject to their husbands in everything. What is God? Some type of male chauvinist? What is God trying to make the wife a suppressive and a subjective in her own house? God is neither doing either. But what God is doing here is reduplicating the model that got messed up in Genesis chapter number three. He set forth God, he set forth man and woman according to his likeness and according to his image. And then he empowered them to have dominion over the earth. But in Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered into the world, this very model is how sin entered into the world. We know this because in Genesis chapter number 3, Eve is talking to the serpent. And the serpent asked Eve about what God said. And Eve, because she had heard it from her husband, said that God said, even though she added to it, that we shall not eat, we shall not touch, and we shall not take of the fruit by which God said. And then Satan comes in and says, you shall not surely die. Because this model in in, in, in Ephesians chapter number five was turned upside down, we know that Eve was in front of her husband at the moment of temptation. We know that because in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 7, the Bible says that Eve took of the fruit and handed it to her husband. If she handed it to her husband, that means that he was in close proximity of his wife to hear the conversation between Eve and the serpent. And if Adam could hear of this conversation that was in direct contrast to what God had told him, him being the head of his wife should have stepped in front of his wife and assumed the conversation between the serpent and his wife but he didn't do it because the role of the family had been subverted. And because the role of the family had been subverted, sin entered into the world. And so Paul tells the husband, these words in Ephesians five and 25 husbands love your wives. Notice that he did not tell the wife to love her husband. Notice that he did not tell the husband to respect his wife. He did not tell the wife to love her husband because love for the woman comes naturally. He did not tell the husband to respect his wife because respect for the man comes naturally. He gave both of them the thing that both of them lacked. Because in Genesis chapter number three, um, because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God told Eve that your desire shall be for your husband and you will want to rule over him. And so counterintuitive to who she is now in Ephesians chapter five, verse 22, he has to tell Eve now to submit the way that you were supposed to submit in Genesis chapter number three. And then he tells the husband to love your wife the same way you should have been loving your wife to protect your wife in Genesis chapter number three. So he says, husband, love your wife. And here's how men just as the same, just as in verse number 22, not kind of like, not sorta of like, but in the exact same way that Christ loved the church and not only loved the church, but gave himself for her. What does that mean? We gotta love her, we gotta give for her, we gotta sanctify her, we gotta cleanse her, we gotta wash her by the word, and we gotta present her as a spot, as a, as a sacrifice unto God. I want you to think about this, husbands. When the man is in his proper position, in the home, God can bless a home. When the man is in his proper spiritual position in the home, he can bless a home. Marriage is divinely instituted by God and it is the perfect union of how God shows his relation to the Church of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you that marriage is good and anybody that says otherwise is a fool. I want you to remember that marriage is between a natural born man and a natural born woman. If you want the blessings of God to reign on your life, God can't bless your home in a co-parenting, in a cohabitation lifestyle. If she's good enough to sleep with, she's good enough to marry. If he's good enough to be your baby's father, he's good enough to be your husband. Marriage is divinely instituted by God and God blesses it and puts his stamp of approval on a marriage that does it his way. I wanna encourage you to trust God and to follow God and how God can bless your marriage. Be blessed.